you know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of your career and life, to starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is the Own Your Career, Own Your Life podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Own Your Career, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you're joining me today for another great conversation about how to own your career. That means taking full responsibility, full ownership, and leading with intention, going after the things that you want and getting them and achieving your goals. And today I have an interview with a great career and leadership coach named Julia Winch. Julia is an innovative career coach. She's also a leadership and confidence coach who uses positive psychology, many other assessments and innovative tools to help her clients really achieve the most in life. And uh, I'm excited to share this because we dig into a lot of really cool things like uh, getting into self-reflection and understanding who you are and where you want to go. Julia takes a totally holistic approach to careers the same way I would if I were coaching you as well. She uses, she talks about an app she uses, some of the saboteurs, the things that might sabotage you in your career. Um, we take a question about do careers do really need to light you up or is it okay to work in a job just for the money? And what do you do if you hate your job? And then how do you prepare for the future? How do you build your network? How do you build those relationships? They're going to help you get to the next level. And finally, how do we get rid of those limiting beliefs, those things that are holding us back and move on, dig into our confidence and be true to ourselves and go have the career that we absolutely love? All that and more in this episode of Own Your Career, Own Your Life. And without further ado, here is my interview with Julia Wench. <laughs> Okay, says we're live. Yes. Hey, Julia, welcome to the show. Hey, Andy, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so great to have you on. We connected a long time back, and uh, we've been talking about doing this interview for a while, and I'm glad we're finally able to make it work. And of course, we're doing this live on LinkedIn and Facebook as well. So anybody joining, if you're watching, you have any questions, um, drop those in. We're talking all about uh, careers, career coaching, leadership coaching. And uh, you, you know, when I, when I go back and look at your profile on LinkedIn, you talk about being a really innovative career coach, a confidence coach. And you also told me that a lot of times people come to you for career coaching. You take it back to leadership. So tell me more about, you know, what that means and, and what you do. Yeah, great question. So I think now more than ever, the onus is on career coaches to be more than job coaches. So when someone comes to you and says, I've been laid off or I'm in between jobs or I've had so much time to sit and think and I need to reevaluate. What I have considered my job is to help people examine what they want their lives to look like holistically. Right. I think COVID has been a time for many of perspective of I don't want to live to work and the time that I do spend in work, I want it to be something that I love that ignites my passion. So I think this is a really wonderful time to look at coaching as coaching the whole person and not just towards a job, um, but to a life that will bring them joy. And so a lot of that is leadership. A lot of that is confidence, mindset resilience, right? And so these are critical skills that I think as career coaches, we we can't ignore. Oh, 
Andy, I, I can't hear you. You're not. Uh, I was muted. Sorry. So yeah, <laughs> someone comes to you. If someone comes to you and says, "Hey, Julia, um, I just left. Lost my job, or uh, I'm trying to figure out where I want to go next in my career." Um, you don't go right into, well, let's clean up your resume and and make that look good. It starts with, you know, more of a holistic approach of like, what do you really want to do with your life? Yeah. In fact, the first thing I say is if you want someone to revise your resume and make sure your LinkedIn looks pretty and look over your list of companies that you're applying to, I'm not the coach for you. And I would be happy to refer you to my many friends who do just that. Um, and there, there is a need for that. Absolutely. There is a need for that type of coaching. But what we're going to do together um, is a little bit more in depth. It's a little bit more getting real and getting intentional. And, and actually, to the point of being innovative, uh, I actually use an app with my coaching clients, um, which is something that I I'm not seeing many coaches do. Yeah. So I'm part of this wonderful program called Positive Intelligence, which is actually a New York Times bestselling book by a gentleman named Shirzad Shamin, who is uh, a Stanford lecturer and has a background in many different disciplines, among them uh, neuroscience and psychology and engineering. And so um, he has a leadership coaching approach that really uh, just resonated with me. And it's it's about this idea of mental fitness and resilience, getting to know our saboteurs and who they are and what they do to us and how they impede our progress, right, in, at work and in life and, and kind of anything that has to do across the board with anything that we're involved with. Um, and it's a methodology and an, it's an app that helps with accountability and progress. And it's, it's wonderful as a coach to be able to leverage technology so that I can see what my clients are doing in the app. I can participate. I can say, hey, I see you didn't do your challenges today. What's going on? You're having a stressful day, right? So as a coach, I can be involved in their lives um, in a more meaningful way, leveraging the technology that's available to us. And by the way, the results we see from this app or that I'm seeing so far from this app are, are incredible. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, you mentioned briefly there uh, positive psychology. I know you do some work in that space. I've read a book and done a little bit of research into positive psychology as well. And uh, I, I love what I have noticed. So tell me more or tell us more, like, what is that and, and how do you use positive psychology in your work? Yeah, so positive psychology is this interesting field of psychology where I, I think that the fact that sticks the most with people is sort of this causal relationship between happy thoughts and happy feelings, right? And so it, it's sort of the, the wisdom used to be, well, if I ha feel happy, then I'll have happy thoughts. But actually, it's sort of the other way around, right? Research has shown that when we have happy thoughts, we can actually feel happier. And so there's a lot that's actually in our control in terms of feeling happier. happier. Um, and so that's kind of like the basis of positive psychology, but it's just that we have control over our thoughts and we can feel happier um, with tools that are 100% in our kind of conscious control. And so I leverage positive psychology. I, le I leverage tools from cognitive behavioral therapy, um, from sort of uh, goal setting science, right? What works in terms of setting goals. Um, so it's, it's a little bit of an eclectic approach, I would say, sort of a hodgepodge meeting people where they're at. Right on. And what was the name of the app again that you said you use? It's called Positive Intelligence. And um, it's, it's really fun to be a coach partner uh, with Positive Intelligence, because if you were to go onto the website right now and buy the app, it would be around $1,000. But I'm able to bring it to my clients at a much cheaper rate. Wow. Nice. OK, so we got a comment in the chat. Someone asked about the name of the app. Yeah, Positive uh, Intelligence. So, 
Yeah. If you want to go get it on your own, it's, it's not a cheap endeavor, um, possibly better to work with a coach. Actually a better investment to work with a coach because then you actually pair coaching with the app and it's, uh, it's a better investment, I believe. And if you want to kind of get a flavor for the app or the types of things that you'll cover, they actually have a free saboteurs assessment. So you can go onto the website and actually take a, a short quiz and find out what your saboteurs are. In fact, my husband was just doing it the other night and we had some fun pillow chat about, about his saboteurs and how they're holding him back. <laughs> I was just going to ask you the next question I was going to ask you is you mentioned saboteurs, like what are the most, what does that mean? What are the most common saboteurs that are holding people back? So it's interesting. I see across the board. Um, interestingly, the, the one that I probably see the most in my practice is hyperachiever. And it's interesting because there's a lot of self-judgment that happens about the ranking of our saboteurs, I've noticed, right? People say, oh, I'm, I'm so relieved I was a hyperachiever and not an avoider. Um, and, and actually, all of the saboteurs are equally detrimental <laughs> to our lives and our, our progress. But I think as an American or in, in sort of Western civilization, it's this idea that if we're a go-getter, then that's somehow more impressive. But the idea of the hyperachiever saboteur is, is that hyperachievers tell themselves, I am only worthy if I complete this thing or I accomplish this thing, right? So their entire worth and sense of self-love hangs sort of in this delicate balance of whether or not they achieved. Um, and so actually, that means that you're you're not exercising unconditional love for yourself. You're exercising conditional love based on your achievement. Yeah, it's really harmful. And I think a lot of people come into this assessment and think, "Oh, I know for sure what my saboteurs are going to be. I know for sure what's holding me back," and then are completely shocked that something else. In fact, that happened with me, and um, and had to do some internal work myself, right? And I have a coach myself, right? Which I I think is um, very important for coaches to have coaches, just like it's important for therapists to have therapists, and just yeah that continuous learning, continuing to practice what you preach. I agree hundred percent. If I'm hiring a new coach, I'm always interested to find out if they have a coach and they're working with someone to, to learn and grow. Well, I'm curious if you'd be willing to share, and I'm curious about some of the other saboteurs, but what was one of the big things that you found out about yourself that you needed to, to change or look into? Yeah. And I'm happy to get vulnerable because that's my comfortable place. <laughs> my, my number one saboteur was pleaser. Hmm. And so, and I, again, like many of my clients was really hoping hyperachiever would be number one, which I have learned to really deconstruct about why that's not helpful or, and why that's not impressive. Hmm. Hyperachiever was my number two and I, I have much less of a relationship with it, but pleaser was my number one. And I was really trying to dissociate from that part of my identity that needed constant pleasing and approval from other people to feel worthy. And that result just smacked me right in the face. Um, and so interestingly, being armed with that knowledge, I have taken significant action around how am I saying no, both to people and tasks? Do I have a clear idea of why I'm saying no? And do I understand how I'm saying no? Because for pleasers, yes is our favorite word. And you cannot say yes all the time. You physically can't do it. Right. Yeah. And when you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. And so when you're taking a lot of things on, you are either taking too much on, stressing yourself out, uh, or, you know, possibly turning down opportunities to do other things that could be could be better. You've just hit on a really profound question, Andy, which is a post-it note that's right next to me, which I tell all of my clients, which is, if I say yes to this, what am I saying no to? And the beautiful thing about that question is it doesn't judge your yes. It says, mm -hmm. okay, you can say yes, but let's just all be realistic that time is a finite resource. And so inherent in the yes 
there must be a no. That's how time works. Yep. And so you just force yourself to answer the question. You don't force yourself to not say yes, but you force yourself to be realistic about what's going to go. And maybe you'll see that what goes is time for dinner with my family or like reading my kids a bedtime story. And maybe once you see that answer in front of you, then it's a no. But if you don't pause and think about what the no is, you might just bull and china shop your yeses. Yeah. You touched on one of my favorite subjects too. And something I wrote about in my book, which is coming out uh, in November on uh, <laughs> your life. Uh, which is about being honest about time, time being our most limited resource and being honest with how you're spending your time, how you're choosing to spend your time. And so many people say, oh, I would love to do that, but I don't have time. I don't have time to work out. I don't have time to work on my career or personal development, or I don't have time to take on that project. When the truth is you really have time, you're just choosing to spend your time on other things, right? Yeah, it's a great point. And, you know, I feel the same way about money, right? Anyone who's in the business of charging for things, whether that's things or services and having someone say, I, I can't spend the money on that or I can't afford it. It's like most of the time you, you can. Obviously, there's there's cases where, where you can. And yep. um, those are sort of ex extreme circumstances that I'm not talking about here. But, you know, you'd be surprised at how many people say, well, I, I can't fly home for Thanksgiving, but then they buy a four day ticket to Coachella, right? So it's just actually about what we value. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Or I don't have money to hire a coach, but I'm going to go, uh, you know, I don't know, spend a right. bunch of money on sport, uh, football tickets or something else, right? Uh, yeah. We get to choose how and where we spend our time. We get to choose how and where we spend our money. It's a beautiful thing. Beautiful. Um, I want people to be honest about that. What's the, um, you also mentioned the avoider. Uh, what, what is that one? Yeah. So the avoider, um, all of these saboteurs, by the way, the kind of initial cue is a negative emotion, right? So when we're talking about hyperachiever, we're not talking about sort of that healthy ambition when you're in sort of a flow state fuel. That's not hyperachiever. Hyperachiever feels a negative emotion tied to achieving, right? And so similar with the avoider, when the avoider feels something negative, generally it's about conflict in some capacity, right? Though it can certainly be about um, heady tasks, things that feel overwhelming. The avoider's tendency is to walk away, whether that's mentally, emotionally, or physically, um, walk away uh, and, and quite literally avoid. And interestingly, what we know about the saboteurs that, that Shirzad writes about I believe so eloquently and so beautifully is that our saboteurs are formed in early childhood as an adaptive mechanism to our surroundings. And so I think that framing is so beautiful because uh, it helps us sort of divorce shame from these identities, right? And so if you can look at your childhood self and say, why was it advantageous for me to be an avoider when I was six years old? Maybe you come from a conflict-ridden home and the way that you wouldn't get your butt smacked is by being quiet and being in a corner and avoiding conflict. And the childhood version of you was freaking brilliant and knew how to not be in trouble and developed the avoider as a beautiful coping mechanism. And it worked for a really long time for you. And you're the same person as an adult. You bring those same coping mechanisms with you and most often, if not all the time, we find that they are not adaptive in adulthood. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, right. And so much of what we do, what we value, how we operate our rules for life are born from that early childhood and the way we were raised and then the influence by all the other people around us. And 
So it's a good point, you know, not always to feel guilty about that, just to uncover and build that self-awareness and then make the shifts or changes that you, you need to shift to, to grow. Yeah. And I would almost push that one step further, Andy, not feeling guilty. Let's push that farther and say, how can we feel radical love and self-compassion for that child mm. that was you and appreciation for how baby Andy um, managed the situation that was him, right? Like how beautifully he handled that. What, what a wonderful way that he conceived of how to solve the problems around him. Like how beautiful that survival instinct was. How can we feel radical compassion for that person? And how can we work that understanding into how we feel about ourselves today, how we forgive ourselves for showing up in this way now and start to reverse some of these thoughts and feelings. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a question that came in from my friend, Mike Jeffrey up in Chicago. Good question. He said, do you think work has to ignite a passion or is it okay to be the means to get the resource money? And you talked earlier about priorities and values. And so is it okay to take a job that maybe it's not that exciting, but you know, puts food on the table and allows you to spend time with family? Yeah, thank you for that question, uh, Mike or Michael. Which one is it? Either one. Either one. Okay, thank you for that question. It's really good, and it's it's one I get all the time. Um, work does not have to ignite your passion every second. Um, and I think, you know, I, I do holistic coaching, right? And so this is the wheel of life. What other categories do you have in your life that are bringing passion and joy? And so I think when you take a holistic look at your life, I believe that joy is created when we are living out our passion in some way, shape or form, whether that's a hobby or a side hustle or um, being really involved with your, your family or sports, whatever that looks like. It's not a job for everyone. And also, does your job make you miserable? Because I think that's where the line is, right? It, we can be fine with our jobs and not feel caffeinated or the adrenaline rush every second. That's okay. That's in fact, most people don't have that. Right. But are you miserable? That's the question. That's the thing we really want to avoid because misery and pervasive unhappiness is strongly correlated with decreased longevity, mm -hmm. decreased health outcomes, increased blood pressure. Right. And so that's what we want to steer clear of is those really strong negative emotions where we're not aligned with work and it's activating really negative emotions for us. And so it doesn't have to actively ignite a fire in you constantly. But I, I would say we spend a third of our, our life at work. And so um, I think there there should should be some reasonable alignment. At least some people, some people spend more than a third of their life at work. Yes. Uh, so it doesn't have to be exciting all the time, but hopefully it's some of it is igniting, lighting you up or making you happy. What if you're in that position where you just feel like it's draining? Like, I just don't like doing this job every day, but maybe now's not a good time to be looking because the economy is not so good. You know, how do you help people through that? Yeah, and I think we have a similar philosophy on this, Andy, which is paying attention to your energy, right? does this energize me or does this drain me is one of the most powerful questions you have at your disposal. I'm a big believer that the gut is our smartest organ. Mm. And so the gut can tell us a lot, right? Um, about passion or dread. Um, and so I think there is a lot of thought during COVID around now feels like a bad time to be looking. So should I just suck it up if I'm miserable? Um, while it's true, the economy is not amazing. It's never a bad time to network, to learn, to see what's out there and to get to know yourself and to figure out what you might be passionate about. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, 
it's like you said earlier, Andy, time is our most precious resource. And so are you comfortable sitting in misery, um, sitting in a place where you're unhappy, or are you prepared to take action in some capacity, right? Whether that's getting to know people who have a job that, you know, I, I call it like a professional crush, right? Are you emailing people you have professional crushes on to learn more yeah. about them, right? Might that energize you and feel you? Might that give you hope or direction? What other things can you do that aren't let me format right my resume and submit to job applications, right? What are other things that exist in that vast gray zone that could help you? That's a great point, right? Um, you can be submitting those resumes, but it's probably more effective, better use of time to be doing the networking, uh, finding that business crush, as you said. How do you um, recommend going about that? What are some of the, the tactics you recommend to, to build that network and, and try to look, start looking for that next opportunity? So warm connections are queen. And what I mean by warm connections is either someone you already know or someone who you have a mutual connection with. And so the reason that that's so powerful is because having a third party vouch for the fact that you're human uh, and that you have good intentions is, is very powerful. It pulls on our sort of human base desires to be responsive. Um, it's just easier when you have a, a point in common. It, again, it could either be someone you know already when you're just sort of resurfacing and wanting to have a chat or someone who could um, facilitate an introduction. And so the best way to do that, um, particularly when you're asking a third party to make an introduction for you, is to make the process as frictionless as possible for them. And I'll say it again, make the process as frictionless as possible for that person you're asking. And the way you do that is by scripting them. It's very, very easy, right? So you can say, here's, would you be willing to introduce me to Andy Storch? I have a total professional crush on him. What he's doing is amazing. I want to be him when I grow up. Would you please introduce me to him? If you're willing, here's some language that you can just forward this email, right? You don't have to think about what I've done and how you know me. I'll just script it. So I'll just write, Julia Winch is this, 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 and she's looking to talk to Andy about X, Y, and C and would love some time, right? So now Mary Smith is reading my email and it's so easy. She says, of course, Julia, hits forward to Andy. Andy and I are connected. Magic, right? And, and it wasn't a huge ask because you did it for them. And so anytime you're asking a favor, make it as frictionless as possible. I like that. Um, I have done that as well quite a lot. I learned from a mentor early on in my consulting career that when you're asking a client for a referral, Make it easy for them by writing the email for them. And so I do that as much as possible when I'm asking people for introductions, for things like that. Let me just write a quick intro for you. You can just edit, copy, paste, whatever you need to do. Um, because otherwise, they're going to sit there and agonize over how to make this introduction. And then it may never happen. And it probably won't happen, honestly, Andy. And I feel like this is the the one, it seems so simple, right? But this is my one hacker trick that I just tell everyone, like, script the email, mm. write it for them. People will be so appreciative because we're all trying to clean out our inboxes at the end of the day, right? We're all like trying to start to cook dinner and like get on with our lives, right? If we can cross something off our list really easily, that feels good. And Tina says that email intro can change lives. Yes, <laughs> I so agree. That email intro can change lives. And also what you do when you script someone is you control the narrative of how you're being introduced, right? And who doesn't want to control that narrative, right? Like Andy could introduce me as like a, a career resume editor, right? And like, we've already talked at the beginning, like that's not what I am, right? So I get to control, I get to say, yes, like I'm a career leadership coach. I'm holistic, right? I'm featured, I write for Forbes, I'm this, I'm that. And like, 
I, I know what I want this person to know about me, and he might not. And so not only is it a way to make their lives easier, it's a way to control your narrative. One thing we didn't touch on uh, was the confidence piece. You talked about being a leadership confidence coach and that being a factor into people maybe going out and finding that next career, the thing they want to do. Um, how does that factor in and, and how do you help people with that? Yeah, I would describe confidence as <clears throat> the, the voice inside of us that's talking to us um, and how much control do we have over that voice and how much is that voice um, leading with radical self-compassion and unconditional love towards us versus how much is that voice being activated by a judge. That's what confidence is. And so I believe that confidence can be taught by intercepting the voices in our own heads, which, which all starts with getting mindful, looking inward, pausing, understanding that the judgmental and negative voices in our head aren't us. And, and I'll just, I think that bears worth repeating, right? The negative judgmental voices in our head, those are, those are not us. That's a judge speaking yeah. and that's not the true essence of who you are. And so it's about intercepting those voices and reframing. And that's a muscle, confidence is a muscle that takes weeks and months to form. And that's something I work with my clients on. When we lead with curiosity and empathy and love with ourselves, then we can more effectively do it with others. And that's the stuff that good leaders are made of. Not being worried about their authority being questioned, right? Not worried about being wrong, not worried about getting questions or healthy dissent, right? That's what I believe the stuff of good leaders is. And it all starts in your own. Yes, I love that. Um, I've heard that before. We are not the voices in our head, right? We are us. And you just described pretty much my goal for my whole life, which is to lead with curiosity, empathy, and love. I love that. I so love that so much. Yeah. For ourselves and for others, right? Because when you lead with curiosity, trying to get the next job, whatever it may be, um, you're doing those, those, uh, making those connections, you're networking, you're talking to people, always talking about lead with curiosity, find out as much as you can. You never know where things might go. That's exactly right. Yeah, beautifully said, Andy. So um, I know you're big on connection, communication, and collaboration. Um, we have talked a little bit about networking and that connection piece, but can you tell me a little bit more about the other factors, why those are so important? Yeah. Um, so connection with yourself and with others, I believe, is um, one of the most incredible tools for furthering personal and professional development. Uh, communication. Um, much of what I believe are breakdowns in relationships, whether it's professional or personal, or breakdowns in communication. I think breakdowns in communication summarize a lot of, of what's wrong. Um, even I will even take it as far as um, war is caused by breakdowns of communication, um, right? And so the power of being able to detach yourself from an emotional reaction to get at the core of logic and communicate that out effectively to another party uh, is core to personal success and business success. And then collaboration, I believe, builds on communication and connection, right? Once you've established the pillars of healthy, effective, clear communication, um, and you've, you've authentically connected with another person and with yourself, then the beauty of collaboration can happen, right? Where we work together for an outcome. I love it. All those things so important. Um, 
As people are listening and thinking about, you know, what the future might hold, you know, potential future career changes, um, any other advice you would give how, you know, maybe they're not trying to make a change right now. We talk about networking, anything else that people can be doing now to start to maybe set themselves up for success down the line. Yeah. Be a lifelong networker. And what that means is be a lifelong relationship builder. Networking is not a nasty and personal exchange of business cards. Networking is building relationships and you do not have to touch base with everyone you know every week. Something as simple as a text message that says this made me think of you or an email. Maybe it could be a mass email to 10 people, all of whom you know from the same job to let them know how you're doing um, is magic, is true magic. Because I, I can tell you from experience, not only my own experience, but but those of my clients, that you never know where your next opportunity will come from. And it probably will come from your network. And so you're giving yourself the best odds of aligning your career with joy and success if you continue to keep those lines of communication really open and really authentic. You never know where your next opportunity will come from. So true. Um, I always like to quote my friend, uh, Ben, who says, uh, you're always just one conversation away from changing the rest of your life. Mm, I love that. Uh, no. Like this powerful conversation we're having today, you never know where things are going to go. Right. Uh, Julia, last question for you. Uh, the book that I've been working on that's coming out next month, November 16th, is called Own Your Career, Own Your Life. Uh, when you hear that, the term own your career, what does that mean to you? Mm. It, it means a taking back of power and a taking back of agency. I think so many people feel that they are um, a wave in an ocean when it comes to their career and, and how they feel about being a wave in that ocean is that they're a victim to the ocean and they feel fear and they feel out of control. But I think the shift with Own Your Career is coming back into power and understanding I'm a part of this system. I have control over the system um, and I'm sort of one with it. And so I love the idea of giving people power and control back. I like that. And I love the metaphor of the wave in the ocean. I might have to borrow that. Steal it. Uh, I stole it. I'm pretty sure. Don't be, <laughs> don't be the wave in the ocean. Be the, be the moon controlling the ocean. Yes. You make the wave. I liked it. Julia, this has been really great. Um, for people listening that want to connect with you or find out more about what you do, uh, where should they go? Yeah, please go to my website. It's juliawench.com. Uh, you see my name spelled here. So www.juliawench.com. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you. Um, and if you're interested in coaching, let's absolutely chat. I would love to talk. Awesome. Well, thank you, Julia. This has been fantastic. Great conversation. So many great insights. Um, thank you to everybody who joined us live and submitted your questions and comments. Thank you, everybody who's listening later. I hope you'll go out and take some action on this. Take them some notes, make a commitment, set some goals. And if you need some coaching, go get some coaching as well. Thank you again. We'll see you next time. Cheers. Yeah.